Welcome back to Views from the Crow's Nest by Fisher Jordan, a podcast about current or emerging trends in finance, technology, data science, and various other domains of the business sector. This podcast is produced in-house for Fisher Jordan, a New York-based strategy consulting, thought leadership, and outsourcing firm, helping business leaders exchange complexity for clarity in financial services, healthcare, and beyond. Ordinarily, the guests, topics, and discussions that we have on this podcast concern issues relevant to our market, but periodically we do deviate from that to help bring some exposure to some specific things that Fisher Jordan is doing as a firm. And today's episode is an example of that latter type. In this episode, we once again had an opportunity to host a roundtable discussion with members of our FAIR initiative, this time with our partners in India. We've talked about this on this podcast before, but Fisher Jordan's FAIR initiative, which stands for Food Availability Improvement Resource, is our primary avenue for giving back to the communities where we operate as a firm. With FAIR, we've partnered with over a dozen volunteer-run, nonprofit food pantries and food banks in the U.S., India, and Israel, providing them with crucial food items directly to help provide food for those in need in a way that maximizes the impact of every dollar spent. Over the past year and a half, coming up on two years now, actually, Fisher Jordan's work with FAIR has delivered over 50 tons and counting of food items to these partners. In this discussion with our India FAIR partners, we invited them to share more about how they're responding to three major problem areas for the nonprofit food availability sector in their region. We talk about how they're addressing the increasing demand for healthier food options, client relationships and needs as we continue to feel the effects and after effects of the COVID pandemic, and more recently, the effects of rising prices, both on food and other goods and services in their area. You can find out more about every organization in this episode from links in the show notes or from our website, fisherjordan.com communities. Fisher Jordan is spelled F-I-S-C-H-E-R, Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N, dot com. This episode was recorded live as a conference call and certain aspects have been condensed for brevity and clarity. Thanks for tuning in to this special episode of Views from the Crow's Nest. Let's get to the conversation. Great to have you all here today. Let's go ahead and get started with some introductions before we go any further here. We have a number of organizations represented. So let's start with the Sona Sarovar Trust. I'm Sona Kumar from Sona Sarovar Trust. We look after slum children and their families. And uh, in the past two years, we have been helping all the slum dwellers get rations so that you know they don't starve and fisher and jordan have been helping us since past two years and we are really very thankful to them they haven't stopped they want to continue to help us thank you absolutely and sona you are the managing trustee for the organization right yes and where are you located Andheri west but uh, we look after slums in Jogeshwari and Guregaon West, that is suburbs of Mumbai. Got it. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Abod, and I am from Project Potential, as Northern said. We are working in rural Bihar. The district name is Kisanganj. And I am uh, co founder and trustee of Project Potential. And we started this organization in 2014 in Bihar. So from that time, we are working in rural community. My colleague, uh, Tornmay is with us, 
and he will introduce. Hi everyone, it's great to be here. My name is um, Tonmat Alukdar. I am currently working as an associate program manager with Project Potential. Just like Abhurji said, we are working in rural Bihar in a district which is which goes by the name of Kishanganj. It's great to be here. Yes, so I'm a founder of Meals of Happiness and uh, we started uh, in 2017 when I was diagnosed uh, with the advanced stage of cancer. Since then, uh, I'm working for the cancer awareness and majorly our uh, root cause is hunger. And uh, since then till now, we serve Pan-India more than 35 lakh meals. And also uh, we are uh, working on uh, women upliftment and uh, we are also sponsoring few cancer surgeries. And uh, we are also running one program called Chaya, where we are uh, promoting education for these people. So that's what uh, we are all doing. Thank you. Wow, thank you. Appreciate the background on the organization and your own history there too. Thank you. Hi, good evening. I am Avdesh Kumar, founder of Balaji Seva Sasthan. We are working with uh, HIV AIDS uh, on HIV AIDS TB and tobacco control program and uh, health. Generally working with uh, migrant population, trackers uh, and transient. As well as we are also working with uh, uh, a small and marginal farmers uh, in uh, urban slums as well as in uh, rural uh, slums. Currently we are uh, working in three states. Uh, Uttarakhand, Uttar Pradesh, and Bihar, that uh, main focus and 75% of our project working in Uttarakhand. And in last two years, more than uh, 2,000 families uh, get dry ration uh, kit the, through uh, Fisher Jordan. Ramesh Kasundra, I am voluntary founder and president of Gram Vikas Trust. We started this journey in 2001 by adopting one children. Today, we are focusing on education, water and sanitation, nutrition, uh, disaster relief. And presently, we have a more than 162 professionals with us. And our focus area largely on the tribal area, tribal people. And we are partnered with uh, Faisal Jordan since last one year. Thank you for your uh, support for the ration kit. We are also working on the child nutrition all over the Gujarat. We have partnership with uh, Nutrition International based at Canada. We also work with the government of Gujarat in education sector in more than 100 primary schools. Basically focus on attendance as well as the quality education. Thank you. Hey guys, my name is Amit Tiwari. I'm working with Uttista Foundation. It started from 1997. And I mainly started working in this organization from 2017. Initially, my father was running this. So we are working with the people from, as I said, like from 1997. Earlier than that, we were working on the same, like on the villages part. Initially, we were working on mainly on school part. School part means in government schools, we, has, we were seeing like students were not going to school so we were trying to focus on that at least if students will go to school so they definitely they will study a little bit did some uh, scholarship programs and all and we were organizing some kind of social gathering and all yearly programs but from 19 
we try to help at that time because people are not getting jobs and all so for till one year we tried to do by ourselves then later on uh, thank you so much for the fisher garden like uh, they recognized us and they helped us so from last two plus years they are helping us and we distributed n number of kits to our needy people we are working uh, basically in uttar pradesh uh, in sitapur in different cities like mainly in sitapur and hardoi uh in hardoi there are some uh, particular villages which are at bank of uh, ganga nadi you can say it. so there every year uh, due to this uh, bad and all they uh, get issues so we are trying to help over there and some part of sitapur villages thank you so much fisher jordan all right i think i got everybody so thank you all for doing those introductions um right off the bat i'm noticing that there's obviously there's there's some similarity but there's also some different emphases that your organizations have that i think are really fascinating and i hope we can talk a little bit more about that we brought everyone here today because of those those differences in point of view and areas of expertise that you all have and our objective in doing these round tables with our fair partners for a given region is because we hope to share some of that difference in point of view with one another and within uh, the broader food availability community as we can. So we have a short list of, of questions that we've been tailoring to different areas based on what has kind of been most important to your organizations that I'd just like us to, to talk about today. The general list of topics that we're gonna talk about today is how have you been managing client relationships and needs during COVID where still dealing with some of the ramifications and effects of COVID. And I know that particularly uh, in this space, we continue to see needs and impacts that are are rippling out from the initial pandemic over two years ago. So how are you managing client relationships and needs during COVID? What are you doing to respond to an increasing demand for healthier food options? We hear a lot about how people that are seeking help from the food availability community are demonstrating an increased demand for healthier food options. So how are you responding to that? And are you doing anything to generate more of that demand as well? And then what are some effects of rising food prices in your organization? Like how is that hitting you? Uh, and what, if anything, are you doing right now to respond to that? So those are the things that we'd, we're going to go through and just hearing how everybody's kind of responding to those. Let's go ahead and start with that first topic of client relationships and needs during COVID and feel free to chime in as you start to, to think of, of how your organization has been responding to these. We have a started with approach that whenever in community, we will identify like-minded volunteer and also train them to get regular contact with them during the COVID. We have carried out a baseline survey of more than 150 villages to identify the you know, needy families through this volunteer. So every year we have a practice that in the month of the December, we will plan out for the next year requirement of various programs such as the education scholarship. We are also providing the educational aid. We are also providing the bicycle to the girls who are the dropout and we are also provided the ration kit old age people 
in their family there is no one to take care these are the regular programs where we get the potential number of the beneficiary on the december onward every year so during the covid this also help us to easily contact the such beneficiary from the slum area as well as the rural area and we are also running a childline team childline is a helpline center which runs 24 hour every day and we regularly organizing the you no know, outreach program where the childline team can also identify such people so we have a list of the beneficiary for the potential whenever we you know such of the disaster came so we will easily identify such beneficiary from our baseline list not only it's very uh, difficult for us uh, during the covid and uh, relationship with the donors and uh, you know with the beneficiary it's become uh, way more difficult because before the other covid hits we were serving to 200 people every day and at the same time we are uh, in process of uh, raising some funds to uh, build up our kitchen but before that happened that uh, covid hits us and uh, we move all our funds towards the uh, uh, food distribution and we cannot imagine that during the covid uh, we we switch from 200 to 10000 meals every day in, in uh, delhi ncr and uh, it was quite difficult for us to raise fund but the uh, situation is such uh, that you know if uh, lots of people offer their uh, volunteer uh, work and then uh, we run one campaign on milap another uh, crowdfunding platform and from there uh, we are able to raise a good amount of uh, donation with that you know we are able to work more and more because uh, being an organization if you don't have funds it's quite difficult to help more people right during the uh, covid we are also uh, not getting support from uh, company csr from government in fact we are giving them food when they require so yeah it's quite difficult for us but because of the platform like mela platform like uh, jordan embassy you people come forward and because of your all support we are able to manage uh, and uh, we are able to serve 25 lakh meals during the covid so yes it's a very helpful uh, collaboration for the ngo and uh, you talk about food crisis because need is so much during the covid that we are distributing 10000 meals but still we are not able to uh, meet the need because every day more than thousands of thousand people are approaching us can you donate uh, can you you know serve to this location where 5000 uh, migrants are staying somewhere 1000 migrants are staying somewhere uh, 500 so uh, but need is so big that we are not able to exceed more than 10000 so yes uh, 100% there is a food crisis which we faced during the covid actually because of this ration our number of list of students are increasing because they know we are giving ration to the students regularly now we don't have much space how do we accommodate more and more students it has really become a great problem for us to cater to more people because we have space limitation cost of food is increasing daily because of floods and untimely rains and all that vegetable fruits prices of food grains is increasing day by day we can't control that i don't know how these poor people manage to eat every day 
although the restriction is over, but still many people are not able to find their jobs or the proper jobs where they can feed their families properly. Yeah, that's really tragic. Um, so now one of the things we, we saw when we spoke to the U.S. fair partners is that paradoxically, the, the need and the demand level is actually increasing post-COVID, um, I guess primarily due to, to inflationary components and, and, as you mentioned, the fact that people aren't necessarily able to get their old jobs back immediately. Are, are you seeing the same thing kind of from, from where you're operating? Yes, these kids need some quality food on everyday basis. We have been able to give them one banana, two dates every day besides Russian kids. And we also give them the sprouts, which Fisher and Jordan are you know, providing us. We make special laddus for them. But I feel it is still not sufficient because they don't get sufficient quantity at home to eat. And the way they eat in classroom is unimaginable. It means we get food for 100 and still, you know, we can't feed 50 out of that. I really don't know how to tackle that. I completely agree with Sona, ma'am, also, because, uh, you know, the food we are receiving, it's uh, it's not enough uh, it's not enough uh, whatever amount we are receiving and yes ma'am uh, sona ma'am you said very well people thought that there is no need uh, of food after covid uh, uh, lockdown uh, close but uh, people don't understand that how many uh, daily wages are jobless and they are hardly earning anything so uh, the where they we thought that they are staying in slum and that slum is uh, where they are staying it's free of cost no, they have to pay huge rents for that and whatever they are earning majorly goes into cover their house rents and other things and they left with nothing. And because of that, they're going through major, major malnutrition because not having proper meal, proper uh, ration in their house. So yes, uh, yeah, need is big, but let's see how we are going to survive. As Anshul is saying, like uh, after COVID, uh, number of people are not getting job back. As boys said the same, they are not able to uh, go back to their uh, to cities for getting their job. Basically, uh, small jobs have got a big hit. The people who are working on small shops, uh, like on daily basis, they the people who are working on the labor things, so they are not getting jobs city people you can say like they got the thing option on online and all so they are ordering everything online and they are getting help they are surviving but what happened about small shops the people who are working on small shops so they lost their job so we uh, as in villages i would say the people who are working on shops they are jobless i'm uh, in india so government is helping them a lot but that help uh, is not sufficient as I would say, because they are getting whatever ration that is not fair enough for them. Their families are little big and uh, they are getting very basic things. There's a healthier food. So I would say uh, there would be only five to 10% we can say in healthy parameter, whatever food they are getting, not more than that. So definitely uh, I would really appreciate Fisher Jordan, at least they come forward to help our kind of organization. People are coming back to us like last month I got this. So would you be able to help on this? So 
every time we are not able to help them because n number of new people are coming forward with their request we do not have food but definitely we are trying whatever way we could help and definitely looking forward if we can make it little bit better on healthier food option like a number of people and the third point is about the rising food initially we were able to help little more people but due to this current situation i would say like uh, we can say russia and uh, that ukraine war and all due to that the cost is increasing so as cost is increasing so we are able to help less number of people not sure how we can solve this because uh, every time what is happening like we are going to shopkeepers requesting them if they can give on the same price they are not ready to do that so if anyone can suggest on that that will be really great great points i've heard from everybody just wanted to also um, add some of the points that we as project potential um, also faced and especially with regards to managing client relationships and needs during covid i think we could absolutely relate to almost all of the points that everybody else have have been saying and had just spoken and just to give a small backdrop about our organization we are largely an organization uh, who work on building youth leaders and we work with a lot of youth Uh, most of our volunteers are also youth from local villages now during covid managing these client relationships was actually tough um just like many other people in the call said and and in bihar where we live there are a lot of migrant workers as well so a lot of these migrant workers when they came back to their original place or their original villages um they were out of their jobs and henceforth you know um food shortage became a huge issue for them the issue was so high that everybody wanted ration kits whenever we would go to village the demand was so high that everybody wanted and at points of time there were um, instances where even when when people would come out to know that you know there there were ration kits that were being distributed people would even fight over them right and i think this was a struggle for us during covid but what absolutely worked for us was that almost all of our volunteers who made the beneficiary list who did the random checks on the poverty status or the financial status of those communities those houses and those families were local youths from the local villages and hence these local youths and from and especially because they were from their local villages were able to manage the situations very properly in a sense that they were able to facilitate conversations which led to conversations with regards to equality and also conversations with regards to why some people are being chosen now and why some people are not being chosen now so i think that negotiation skill and also the facilitation skill that the youths that we engaged during our ration distribution um, and especially which was supported by fisher jordan i think that really helped us a lot in managing these client relationships we were able to distribute dry ration kits to you know more than 20000 families so i think youths played a very crucial role these are youth who have been always going in communities and working with communities in different projects and since they are locals so people also tend to listen to them more as compared to somebody coming from the outside and you know giving criterias for people who are getting ration kits now and who are not getting ration kits so i think that is one thing that really worked for us and it helped manage this um, client relationship and new during covid because the need was absolutely absolutely skyrocketing and it was absolutely very high so i think youth played um, a very crucial part in manage, uh, for us in terms of managing these client relationships
so we can identify the number of people who are taking the lesson home scheme benefit but in slums area the pe- uh, the people who are staying in slums they have no ration card so they are not getting any benefit of this government scheme similarly uh, there is a midday meal scheme in school so those children who are not enrolled in school they are not also get the midday meal scheme are mostly the slums area children they are not regularly attend the school also so uh, first of we uh, have to think about the no, uh, number of the government scheme how we can increase the people to get the benefit of them and also similarly we provide the no uh, support to the fessel jordan those who are not able to get such benefit from the government in metro city uh, mostly people think they are okay because they are into a metro cities they are maybe earning enough and uh, they can take care of themselves but because everything is so expensive here they cannot afford their simple livelihood from whatever they are earning so it's quite difficult for them and i i believe it's getting more hard for them to survive in cities like uh, you know delhi or mumbai or any other metro cities so i don't know how we can provide them support with you since we are getting ration from you right so what we are doing we are giving one kit of ration who have more than 6 7 8 8 family members in their family so when they receive this ration they end up saving some 1000 or 1500 uh, rupees which they use in their other needs you know they need medication they need gas or uh, whatever thing they need to uh, survive but i i completely uh, disagree with people who are saying that in metro city people don't go through uh, hunger people don't face any crisis that's the biggest uh, challenge for us to convince everyone that metro city is also going through the same problem same issues so because of that we are not able to convince our donors also you know they all say uh, tell us why don't you go to uh, extreme rural areas why don't you help them when you go there then only we come forward then only we support you because of these kind of issues we are not getting enough support which we supposed to get you know because we have almost more than 3000 people who are uh, associated with us and whom we are supporting since last uh, so many years actually this mindset that metro city people are not facing any issues this become our drawback somehow to not get enough support and donations and acknowledgement from the company cr csr companies or even the individual donations a common thread that i'm hearing here with everybody is that and we hear this with our other partners as well we've seen an explosion of demand and everybody is in various stages of being able to either rise to meet that demand trying to stay ahead of it it sounds like in most cases the the demand has far exceeded organizations abilities to meet it and that's kind of the space that we're in right now and now i'm glad that you brought up this this comment about increasing costs on shaw because actually i think we can skip over question 2 for right now and maybe come back to that if we have time but because this is a, a a particularly timely issue the the effects of rising costs i do want to spend some time on that and just see what sorts of effects is that bringing to bear for you uh, again just being able to hear what everybody else is kind of facing hopefully we can start to be more aware of what 
our our individual organizations are dealing with and and start to think about ways to help yes uh, we are getting lots of supports in kinds right even uh, i would say 95% support which we are receiving we are receiving in kinds and it's such i i believe it's a challenge for every ngo or any and uh, every individual who are working for the society and for the cause because uh, people thought they will help us in kind it will uh, help us to run the cause no there are lots of hidden expenses right there are logistic cost is involved manpower is involved there's a uh, rings are involved for the places where we are working because of that we are not able to perform properly because we have to arrange the funds and because not getting funds enough from anywhere that's why what happens with ngos like us we have to reduce our cost like earlier we are serving 2000 meals every day now we reduce to 1000 since uh, almost 20 days 2021 days now so we have to work very uh, calculatively and think uh, twice to spend even 1 rupee extra so that we survive for a longer time because of increasing cost everything is increasing expense fuels are going high rations are going high and brains uh, uh, are people where we taken the accommodation they are going high so basically everything is affected and everything is related to each other suppose you are uh, giving us ration kits and that vendor is quite far from my place so uh, the ration kit is so much that it won't come into a private vehicle we have to hire a commercial vehicle and that commercial vehicle cost us like huge money which is like 3000 4000 bucks to reach to our destination then our volunteer goes from here to every benefit fisheries uh, place because they cannot come to our place again some uh, people who are widower people who are elderly abandoned people who don't have anything so for them coming to our place is quite difficult and we end up going to their place which involves again involve lots of uh, monetary thing so yes it it's a request and it's a issue also for us which we are facing before covid we were working with some limited people and after covid demand increased we tried to help some more people so initially some volunteers got added so they were not asking for anything as utista foundation is working on very remote areas we are procuring the things from cities because on remote areas things are little more costly and costly and costly so already the cost is increased so number of packets got decreased like number of people who were getting help so earlier we were at least helping 112 so now we are helping only 100 people this transportation cost is little huge and uh, sometimes uh, the variation of the price price is increasing day by day and i don't know like how some people are able to manage their cost little less in uh, small cities price of anything is not decreased every price got increased for my organization my organization is very small utista foundation who's getting help from the fisher jordan only and rest all part like complete cost i am working on some company so whatever i am getting salary so i am just paying from my pocket trying to help because we have to help people because at least if we are getting some packets so if those will not get distributed the what is the mean of organization so looking little more nowadays what uh, vendors started they are adding packing cost also they are saying uh, boss for one two times three times for six months it is fine we uh, organized everything packing and all but now you have to bear it so these cost which are hidden which are not <laughs> seeing in the bill so that is really impacting my kind of organization i would say because we are very small thanks amit 
It looks like we also had a remark continuing this discussion about logistics cost. Did you want to say anything more about that, Abode? This Tanmay here. Uh, so our organization is based just besides the India-Nepal border. Um, so there are different kinds of sort of complications here with regards to the vendors as well. And also with regards to the other community members as well. One of the interesting part about the vendor that Fisher Jordan and all of us uh, associate ourselves with when it comes to ration distribution is his shop is right at the India-Nepal border. So what happened in COVID was that the border got shut and a lot of his customers who were from Nepal couldn't cross the border and come down to his shop. And so he was also facing a lot of economic crises. And I think at that point of time, having him as a vendor, which was somehow or the other supported by Fisher Jordan, was a big, big boon for the vendor as well. But also at the same time, the vendor would always mention to us that the costs have risen so much that it becomes difficult for him to quote a price for us as well. So while he was grateful about the fact that we were working with him, he was also at a tricky stage when it comes to you know negotiating with regards to prices. Once we had placed an order for potatoes and onions, but suddenly the prices of onions had risen so much that we had to change into lentils, which in India we call as chana. Um, so we had to change that, right? Because we live in a border area, so our catchment area is also quite spread. So from a vendor's place, um, if we have to move around the ration to different parts in our working district or in a working block, it it is a cost. Now, there are two things to it. Either we tell the communities to go to the vendor shop and get their ration kits. But again, now that is again a cost for the beneficiaries. And because they were so economically hit that they couldn't even afford that cost to go to the vendor shop. So then what we had to do was we had to arrange a logistical transportation and the vendor distributed and vendor went to different kinds of communities and villages and distributed the food kits all by himself in one sense that was a big cost in our um, relief operations but i also feel that we were also blessed with a vendor who also had a social service mindset and that's why he was willing to take that extra mile because he also understood the fact that how he was impacted by covid even a lot of other people were also impacted by covid so I think that human value um, and also the value of service is something that we found in the vendor, which also helped us reach a lot of families, um, even though there were a lot of different kind of costs. One other thing that we were thinking was if we could think of substituting some of our um, food items as, as an item which has got multiple sources of proteins, vitamins, or you know multiple nutrients in one item itself, and then we can sort of let go of other food items that we usually get. For example, soya beans, right? Soya beans is something that already has a lot of nutrients in it, right? I'm not sure scientifically what it is, but maybe such a food source, uh, such a source like a soya bean can be replaced with a lot of other food, other food items, but it will give the same amount of nutrients or even further more amount of nutrients, right? So even thinking about alternate food sources uh, or food items that can give the same amount of nutrients as compared to, you know, two, three different kinds of foods or fruits giving the same kind of nutrients is also an approach that we can take. We also realize that a lot of people are also going towards modern consumption. At the same time, they, these communities or these local communities may already have certain foods or kinds of foods that they culturally grow. 
for example um, in in our place we call it sag or you know legumes right spinach these are things they already you know grow in their backyards maybe right but a lot of people we are seeing that they're going from this kind of consumption to more of modern consumption more more of the kind of things that they see in cities and they're letting go of their you know cultural roots so i think while we are doing our, uh, the ration relief and a lot of our activities and operations it is also important for us to also first and foremost acknowledge and also then promote the fact that a lot of a lot of rural communities at least um, i can speak about rural communities only out here um, they also culturally uh, are very rich with regards to a lot of you know heritage foods so i think even promoting that because those come those have a lot of nutrition in them as well you know legumes um, things like spinach i think that is all that also becomes quite crucial for us so that we can deal with the rising food prices because these are again you know sustainable farming that they can do and it doesn't take too much of space as well for them to grow such kind of you know food and nutritious food as well how do each of you actually identify all these different nutritious items and how do you get people to actually accept those because yeah. sometimes people don't actually see them as something that they would want in their ration kit yeah absolutely so i think um, to answer first question with regards to how do we identify such kind of things it's more of you know more of research internet research maybe we came across some kind of articles that you know showed us that you know uh, things like soya chunks you know have got more value in terms of nutrition right so it's mainly coming out of research through internet or at points of time all the people that are there in our networks as well right so when we talk to them they also give us certain kinds of ideas and then we as a team discuss and then we see if this is feasible or not and then we go for that kind of an option to address your second second bit with regards to how people take such alternate food options and and, and i can take the example of soya chunks one way that we had we have used is also by making the communities understand the value of alternate food options like soya chunks as compared to something else and making them understand the value in also in terms of the financial value that they can have in the future for example you know soya chunks and i'm just using soya chunks as an example there can be other foods as well it is a very healthy food and if they're consuming such kind of healthy food provided also they're using less of oil in it um can help them in the future in terms of reducing their medical cost maybe right so i think making these food relatable to them in terms of how one food or one kind of an item can help these people solve some other issues that they have in their lives and especially because a lot of people live in poverty so you know if you can relate if we can help them bring that connection and relatability in terms of finances i think then they start adopting those food practices more and obviously it's a long game it takes time it's not going to happen in a day's time or so but gradually and slowly i think when they start realizing the value of those food um, i think um, their food habits also um, change quite a bit agreed but also it can be right so one of our us partners what they did was like uh, one time in the produce what they got was eggplant or what we call brinjals here right yeah. and so what they did was they just put in information cards about the new alternative items like what different interesting recipes you could use what nutritional value it has 
so i think if we are sometimes giving uh, you know chickpeas or kidney beans or something and people think that this is different from what they are expecting we can also have kind of recipe cards or some other interesting facts about those kind of items so that people can immediately be receptive to those items absolutely absolutely it's a great event it also makes you know the food items very interesting right so it's also more catchy and i think it's a great solution well before we wrap up did anybody have any responses to things that other people had said either questions that you had for uh, people from different organizations things that you heard them saying that they're dealing with that you maybe had responses to or things that you've you've faced in a similar way just want to open it up a little see if anybody had any responses to one another uh, now that we've had an opportunity to share a little bit we don't get help from any other company we are really grateful to your company for providing us help month after month without any break donation has almost stopped and we are also facing a lot of problem even paying salary to our teachers so we keep on cutting costs here and there but how do we stop giving food to these starving people that's a very big issue so and i feel that's that's a very potent point that that maybe is is not not fully appreciated um in a global sense is is the fact that people there are people that are literally starving um you know we're not talking about an extra meal here or there we're not talking about an upgrade we're talking about meeting people's basic requirements for survival and we're also we're not operating in an environment where the world is not producing enough food the world is producing plenty of food even with the stuff that's being held up in the ukraine the world is still producing plenty of food so it's not like we're going through some massive global drought where you know there's literally not enough food to go around the world we're talking about an economic dynamic uh that unfortunately due to, to a variety of 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 social and economic phenomena going on the failure to provide food in the places where it's most needed and in the way that it's most needed and in a way that's timely and the way that's adequate it's not causing inconvenience it's not causing lifestyle changes it's literally causing people to die prematurely and for children to, to have their growth stunted literally so now you, you and i were talking about the fact that some of the children a lot of the children you're helping are children who have stunted growth because of malnutrition so it's you know i feel like the urgency level is is something that's not necessarily globally appreciated and and i appreciate everyone here being able to to kind of bring that out and and kind of help help raise the awareness around that. Yeah, there's only so much that that one organization can do and we're certainly privileged to be able to be uh connected with all of you and helping to do this work, but a big part of why we wanted to record this discussion and and release it on our podcast is we hope that, that we'll start to expand the visibility to some of these problems that that your organizations are facing and hopefully start to get the word out a little bit further about ways specific like concrete ways that you've all named that people can get involved that's certainly one of our hopes for the the outcome of recording this conversation just wanted to thank everyone here even though we uh most of us I, I connect with most of the people here on an individual basis but it's always great to just kind of have everyone together in one place and 
just gives it a lot more power to kind of hear hear the, the group dynamic and just the amount of uh, similarities in, in the challenges that, that everyone's facing here. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. I think we're going to end the recording. And uh, thank you again for tuning in and uh, contributing. Thank you. Thank you, Northern and Boss, for the opportunity to uh, attack with all of you. Thank you so much. My name is Nathan Johnson, and this podcast is produced in-house for Fisher Jordan, a New York-based strategy consulting, thought leadership, and outsourcing firm, providing decision makers in financial services and healthcare with clear strategies backed by analytics and enabled by tailored technology solutions. As a reminder, you can always find and subscribe to Views from the Crow's Nest on all major streaming platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and more. And of course, you can always access it directly via podcast.fisherjordan.com. Finally, if you have any comments or questions on today's episode, feel free to send us an email, engage at fisherjordan.com, and we will see you from the crow's nest.